Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a cookbook author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life, whether we're learning to add years to our health span or how to be the person that everyone likes at parties or how to have no regrets when you die. And yes, those are all real episodes. So if any of those topics interest you, scroll on back in the archives. Today, we're talking about style. I'm so excited to welcome Bethany from Dearly Bethany to the podcast. Bethany is a style mastery coach and content creator with over 1 million subscribers on YouTube. She's also the founder of Master the Art of Personal Style, a six-week online masterclass where she has taught thousands of women worldwide how to finally move beyond the confusing cycle of following trends to discover a style that honors who they truly are as individuals. With 20 years of training in fine art and over a decade working as a high-level designer, she brings a ton of expertise to the topic of style and an approach that I find truly refreshing. She's definitely less about snatching up trends and more about being intentional and figuring out what you truly love. I say this in the episode, but it's almost like a meditative or mindful approach to fashion, which I absolutely adore. On this episode, we get into all things personal style, including exactly where to start in figuring out what yours is. We talk about where trends come from and how you can learn to predict them, how to navigate which trends you should partake in, the one color everyone looks good in, how to dress chic when it is disgustingly hot out just in time for summer, the pieces that have the most comfort to style ratio, you know that I was interested in that. I always want to be comfortable, but I want to look cute how to balance sustainability with wanting to be fashion forward, the best places to shop for basics, shoes, wedding dress attire, hats, swimwear, and so much more. I came away from this so inspired to figure out what my personal style is and to start accumulating clothes that are true to that. I'm leaning towards like a 1970s, almost famous rock and roll boho vibe. That era has always been so inspiring to me, and occasionally my style gravitates that way, so I am excited to lean all in. I would love to hear about your personal style ideas or how you're incorporating any of Bethany's wisdom from this episode, so please tag us both on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody, and Bethany is at Dearly Bethany. Bethany has also so generously agreed to give 10 lucky people access to her amazing course, Mastering the Art of Personal Style. So stay tuned at the end of the episode to find out how you can enter to win that. Okay, without further ado, let's get into all things style with Dearly Bethany. Bethany, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. You're going to help us look cute, I hope. So I'm really excited to hear all of your tips and tricks. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited today. We're going to have a lot of fun. Like just to be able to chat and do this instead of my normal bookkeeping adventures on a Friday (laughs) is wonderful. (laughs) I love that. I feel like it's the part of like having your own business that nobody talks about is like you get the fun creative stuff, but then like a lot of the time is spent doing like the really boring stuff nobody really wants to do. Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. And we were talking a little bit offline. We like have parallel lives. We both have a Zach with a K. We both have a cat. I think they both have blue eyes too. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just like crazy. You're me, but, but way better dressed and on oh. the other coast of the country. <laughs> I'm feeling right, for that uh, sweater, by the way. That's an amazing sweater. Oh, thank you. This is from Zara. It's got little checkers on it. I actually found this on the page of the other person that I love to follow for style advice, Charlie Goss. She was on our first style episode. So I just steal from the trendy people. I don't 
<laughs> which gets me into actually like the first thing I want to talk about, which is personal style. I think I've gotten good at sort of copying what people that I feel like have good style are doing, but you're so huge about actually finding your personal style. So I would love to start with just like, if somebody has no idea what their personal style is, where should they begin? Like what are like maybe three really pragmatic tips? I think you're totally right that a lot of times we mimic what other people are going to wear. And I think that we do that from either birth or three years old or someone else will know better than me, but we pretend a lot more than we make decisions ourselves intentionally. And clothing is just one way where that is encapsulated within ourselves. And so what I suggest doing is to remember who you were and the things that were important to you back then, honor them, and then who do you want to be in the future and honor that person too. And then who you are in the middle is really that in-between of being nostalgic about things in your past and then moving forward and preparing the way with your closet and with your daily outfit choices to where you're not going to have those regrets. When you say remember when, let's start there. Are you literally like I should check back in with like my five-year-old self who's wearing like flower print dresses? Sure. Yes. Actually, um, I found a photo the other day where I was wearing a very fluffy dress with lace and I had these killer boots on, which I currently own. (laughs) I have another pair just like them. And I was holding my cute little puppy that I had for like 15 years. So yes, um, absolutely check in with her. Also, maybe some different things that you really liked along the way. Um, Even things like your music taste can really come into play with this. I know for me, I have like punk rock playlists so much. Like I love the Regency vibes. I love anything that's, you know, fluffy and and lacy, but I also really need something that's hardcore too. And there's a way to blend that. You want to have this blend that honors both versions of you because otherwise it's going to feel scattered. And you're not going to want, you're not going to understand why one day you want to be ethereally dressed and then the next day you want something that's a little bit more hardcore and you might feel like your style is scattered. But the way to do that is really just to honor both and combine them within an outfit. So I could have a very beautiful flowing dress and then wear like a leather jacket with it. So then the other part is your future self or like who you want to become. What if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I don't know who I want to become? Yeah, that definitely happens too. One thing for me that really helps is to know why different people I'm inspired by actually represent something that I have a common taste with. Like for me, I love Dakota Johnson's style. I love everything, every photo she's in. I'm like, yes, and I want that outfit. And I am so happy when she's wearing jeans just like I have. But that doesn't really mean very much as far as like checking in with her of what those jeans meant to her. Because somebody like her, she would probably have some answers as to records that she loved, um, bands that she loved. But not only music, I know I reference music a lot, but people in her life, it could be her grandfather. You know, I have a jacket that I wear because it reminds me so much of working in the yard with my dad. And I just wear that and I'm like, it's amazing, but it's cropped up and it's a lot cooler now (laughs) to be able to wear something that um, is actually stylish with that. 
Okay. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, that sounds great. Like who I was, who I want to be. Is there like a little homework assignment you could give us to maybe find both those people? Like, should we be browsing our Spotify playlist? Should we be browsing Pinterest? Should we be making a mood board? Yeah. So Pinterest, absolutely. Mood boards, yes. I do like to have something that's a little bit more tactile as far as um, understanding personal taste and the images in that. But you have to go back to the drawing board a little bit more and do that soul searching of what makes your style uniquely yours. Because otherwise, you're going to feel a little bit weird about that in a couple of years when micro bags aren't trendy anymore. And you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, it's like you got got, you know, it's like you didn't really see why that was so important to you to own. And so my homework assignment would really just to be to go back to exactly what you are inspired by. You want to really do that that homework assignment. Maybe spend an hour or two and realize the things that meant a lot to you growing up. It could be people, it could be songs that you loved. Definitely look at old movies that you loved and different people that were lead characters in that, that that were inspirational and why they were inspirational. Because to me, like I might have somebody like um, in an old movie and it's like she had the most amazing outfit. Well, now when I wear trousers, I'm echoing that a little bit more. And then the way that I dress in the future is going to still be on par with those things because they were still important to me earlier on. Okay. I can see that. And then how do trends fit into that? Like, how do we look at what's going on in terms of what's cool right now and decide which things to incorporate and which things not to? I love trends, but I'm not somebody to say, yes, we need to adapt to these five different things this season. (laughs) I think that they need to honor you and not the other way around. So Regency, really popular right now, especially uh, with the different Netflix shows and that type of thing that have Wait, what does Regency mean for somebody who doesn't know that word? So Regency would be something that – I'm honestly blanking on the name of that show. Bridgerton. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I watched season one. I haven't caught up yet. I heard Um, there's less sex in season two. So it's it's a worse show now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So that would be one that I would say is really popular right now. That's why we have a lot of puff sleeves uh, that are happening. And wait, so you literally um, think that because Bridgerton was like a hit show that has translated to puff sleeves being like in stores everywhere right now? Like that's how it works? Pretty much. I would say that the person that was inspired to make your sweater watched The Queen's Gambit. Wait, really? (laughs) It is. I've got a chess piece right here. Oh my God. That's so interesting. It's because I always wonder, you know, like we all think of that Devil Wears Prada scene where she's like, this is a cerulean sweater and it'll trickle and I pick it here and it'll trickle down. But like, we wonder where the trends come from. You know, that's so interesting to think about the what's popular in culture, and then that trickling down to the items we're wearing. Yeah, it does definitely originate with a designer, but I think that designer asks themselves, where are we in history and what's important in pop culture? And where were we 20 years ago that we can repeat now? So a lot of those different things come into play as far as pop culture is considered, um, where you start to 
have these little bubbles in your mind as far as what could be appropriate now and how you revise that from 20 years ago. So if I'm thinking 2002, what what was popular then? A lot of times you can look at the runways from 20 years ago exactly. And all of a sudden you could see that on the runway now. And it is one of those things that people say, oh, everything comes back every 20 years. Well, it really does. And it's just interpreted a little bit differently because of where we are in history now. And so when adapting trends for ourselves, you know, you can look at something that's a shared taste with what's happening now and how you want to approach 2022 and then go from there. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Using protein in green smoothies is key. Protein is the most satiating macronutrient, so making sure there's a good amount of protein in your smoothies is the best way to avoid that mid-morning crash and make sure that you are full and happy through lunchtime. I've tried pretty much every protein powder on the market, and there are only a few that I like enough to keep stocked in my kitchen to use in all of my green smoothies, and I am so excited to introduce you to one of them today. Meet Clean Lean Protein by Newzest. Newzest is made from European golden peas and extracted using this awesome, patented, chemical-free technique that ensures the texture is super smooth and not gritty or gross like so many protein powders, and is easy on the stomach because it also takes care of the digestive irritants. It's regularly tested for gluten, soy, dairy, heavy metals, and pesticides. You can rest assured that what you are enjoying is safe. And it's got a 98% digestibility rating which means it's gentle on your gut and the protein on the label is actually being absorbed and assimilated by your body. Unlike most protein powders, they don't use any gums, emulsifiers, or stabilizers, which hugely helps with flavor and make sure that there is nothing in there that can irritate your gut. Currently, I am obsessed with their digestive support line. They have a probiotic vanilla and a probiotic cacao. The vanilla gets its flavor from organic vanilla beans and is lightly sweetened with just a touch of organic coconut sugar. The cacao has just organic coconut sugar and cacao powder, and they both have probiotics and L-glutamine, which is one of my favorite gut health supplements. Newzest is one of the only brands I've found that actually tastes good in my daily green smoothies, and I'm a huge believer in not suffering through anything that's not enjoyable in the name of health. It makes my gut feel good, and it helps my blood sugar stay super stable so that I can be energized and ready for my day. Basically, if you are looking for a protein that has everything you want and nothing you don't, Newzest will be your new go-to. And of course, I've got an amazing deal for you. Head to newzest.us slash Liz and use code LizM for 20% off your order. Again, that's newzest, N-U-Z-E-S-T dot U-S slash Liz, and the code is LizM for 20% off your order. I cannot wait for you to try this protein powder. I know that you are going to be as obsessed as I am. Now, let's get back to the episode. So 2002, I'm picturing like the Britney Spears, like low-rise jeans, all of that. And that is coming back right now. That's So it, it is like a 20 years. That also makes it hard because I feel like when we're all, you know, cleaning out our wardrobe and they're like, have you worn this thing in the last year? Should you get rid of it? And if you get rid of everything and then everything comes back every... I mean, I probably wouldn't wear my clothes from 2002 though, <laughs> actually. Yeah. <laughs> It can be altered. You know, you could take something to the tailor and make it a little bit more appropriate or wear it with a different top because right now low slug jeans are everywhere and 
<laughs> don't even get me started. <laughs> I do not no, want I to get relive. you started. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what do you think about them? I think that the rise of a gene is very particular to a body style and it's much less about what's trendy because what are you going to think about photos of yourself wearing that? And you would have thought, well, that really didn't suit me. That didn't honor me. And so that's really where I have that, that gatekeeper of what is going to actually keep, I'm going to keep in my closet for the next five to 10 years versus something that really was just a trend. And so how people are going about low slung jeans right now is that they expose everything. They, they are not the type to put a sweater on with it like we did in 2002. <laughs> and so it's all about like showing that part of you if you feel comfortable with that. But yeah. I suggest mid-rise or higher because otherwise that is going to not elongate your look um, if that's what you're trying to achieve. So when we're checking in, when we see a new trend, is it literally just a process of almost having like a meditative mini moment and checking in and being like, does this trend honor me? Or is there something where you're like, well, did I like Bridgerton? So should I seek out some puffy sleeves? Or like, how are we doing that math in our heads? To me, it always has to honor myself and then I will adapt a trend to my closet where it it still honors me. Like that's the gatekeeper. I would never wear bright colored neon oversized bags because those are trends, but they aren't trends that are appropriate for myself, for things I know and I'm self-aware about with my height or whatever else. And then also what colors work well on my skin tone. That's going to be way more important than if periwinkle is the color of the year for Pantone. I, you know, it's just one of those things where it's not going to dictate me what I should wear, but the other way around, I'm going to dictate the trend to either move on or come into my closet on my terms. Which sounds like it's much easier to do if you've already done those sort of like personal style exercises and you have a really good sense of who you are and what your style is. Right. And if you are still searching for that, you know, I think for me, I didn't come to approach style in a way where most people normally would. Um, I think that a lot of the people who are into style, they've always been obsessed with it more or less. <laughs> and I think that in my early 20s, I sort of walked away from anything that was fashionable. And I did not prioritize that in my budget or my wardrobe. And I really just looked through clearance bins for my clothes. And if they had a tiny hole, I knew I could fix it. And I just like, I mean, I had nothing to work with. And I was trying to also impress people at work with my career. And I found that that was starting to hold me back in my career of moving up because I wasn't showing that self-respect. And also I wasn't showing the manners that that could really help with. But more than anything, I've been fascinated with the idea of enclosed cognition because that's where they did a study in 2012. If you put on a white jacket and you were told that that's a lab coat, you could perform better, cognitively speaking, because you felt equipped for that. So it wasn't even how other people perceived you. It was more what you felt capable of. And if you're wearing something that feels smart, then you're going to be able to do smart things. And in contrast, they told some people in this study that they did that that lab coat was not a lab coat. It was a painter's coat. 
And they said, do these same tasks. And they could not do that as well, just because of how we perceive that. So would that mean that if you're working from home, if you're on Zoom, you probably shouldn't be in sweatpants? That's exactly what that means because it's, I mean, unless you feel just amazing in sweatpants, like you can accomplish anything, but for most people, they're going to feel like they're loungy. They're going to feel like they're really comfortable. Or if they continue to wear those same sweatpants and not wash them, then they're going to just probably feel like they're in a rut (laughs) at some point. Are there any pieces that for you make you feel like smart or powerful or just like really badass? My leather jackets, for sure. I have one over here from Acne that is so cool. It's got like an asymmetrical pattern that goes up through it. And it's got this lace with it that's all leather lace and these little eyelet details with tortoise shell and all this. But just having something that feels like armor is really good. I just came from Nashville. And I think you just came, uh, Liz, from Brooklyn, right? Yes. And there's like, I don't know. But for me, I felt like in a big city... I needed a little bit more support from my closet versus even now, I I definitely love my closet, but the more that you feel an emotional need, you start to use clothing as armor and you become more expressive with it, which is great. I think it was almost healing and soothing to me to be able to express myself through clothing. Wait, so do you think that that's one of the reasons? I'm sure there's like many, including access to certain stores and like the fashion industry and stuff, but why people tend to be more fashion forward in cities? It definitely could be. I've talked with people about this quite a bit because some people are from smaller towns that um, they're like, I could never wear anything outside of a social norm where I live because it would just not be appropriate. And they might even say something to me about it. So I think that some people play it a little bit safe. But I then think, what are those people saying to you and why are they saying that to you? It feels like there's something that's making people who might be a little bit more vocal about a criticism, those people are usually insecure themselves or have had someone else tell them how to dress. And what ends up happening with that is it's trying to push down other people's creative expression. And to me, I want to look at that from a social standpoint and just say, why are we doing that? Because we can't allow each other to express things. And one thing that I love to wear just to make myself feel more put together, honestly, is an accessory. And I personally love hats. Moving to a small town again has felt a little awkward with some of the hats that I wore, especially in Nashville, where, you know, everybody wears hats. (laughs) But wearing a hat here in a smaller town has felt amazing. And a lot of people have been like, like yelling, like, I love your hat, lady. I love your hat. And so I'm like, I don't know. For me, that feels good. For some um, some other people, they might not want to have that. That type of attention. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where let's talk about hats for a second because I really desperately want to be a hat person. I feel like a few things. So one, I'm short. I'm five foot two. I feel like the hat, like, like I don't know if there's like an idea that people will think I go up higher if I don't truncate myself <laughs> at my hat because that can't really be true in my head. But there's like a vibe like that. Like the hat, like does a hard stop on my body, and then I just, I just feel like I look so silly in every hat, but I think they are such a cool addition to outfits. So how do I not look silly in hats? I think that when you are thinking through 
any sort of accessory, especially hats, because I do know what you mean, because some people do feel especially silly in a hat. Like, what were you thinking wearing that hat? (laughs) It all comes back to what you are comfortable with. And then how do you branch out beyond that? Because what I try to teach people in my my course is that you have this style persona in you that is trying to get out. (laughs) And you have this ability to push yourself out of those comfort zones when you want to, or at least acknowledge them. So there's one side of me that's a little bit more fierce than Bethany, you know, and there's one side of me that's a little bit more confident or casual or um, laid back than I am because I tend to be a little bit more, I don't know, tense. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, what we can do is use our hero version of ourself to push ourselves beyond that and then walk and show up as her instead of wondering what are people going to think about me wearing this silly hat. It's like, I know that this hero version of myself would wear this hat. Is there any truth to the idea that like hats are making me look shorter or no? They can, I think, if they are too big. Like if you're thinking, one thing that sort of helps me understand body proportions and an outfit in general is how would a cartoon character wear this dress and how would an animator like animate the exaggerations to, to make that silly? I don't know. That's just something I personally Wait, no, do. no. Talk me through that more. Because like, how, so how does, if I picture a cartoon character wearing a hat, how does that help me understand the, because it's like what they would exaggerate. And then those, it like makes the little things littler, littler and the big things bigger. Or how does that work? Yeah. I think, you know, let me go back to pants because I feel like that's a really good way to assess this. Okay. If and this is so silly. I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, <laughs> if a chicken were to wear pants, how would they wear it? And there's illustrations <laughs> online about this. Like there's an actual theory of how they would wear pants or not. And <laughs> I feel like it would go all the way up over their like halfway over their body. That's what I pictured in my head. Because otherwise they're just kind of wearing leg warmers, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and so that exaggeration, to me, they would look much taller if they were to wear their pants like all the way over. And I don't know, that sounds so silly, but it is something that you can do where it's like, I don't know, maybe I watched a lot of cartoons growing up. But (laughs) if I were to draw like a smaller character that's wearing a really big hat, what does that hat do to the character? It makes it look smaller, right? Yeah. Yeah. If it's a huge hat. Okay. But if it's like a normal, like a hat that would normally fit their head, then yeah, yeah, it's not going to feel weird or anything. Okay. So it kind of just lets you like step out of picturing something almost on yourself and lets you picture it on this other thing where you're like paying attention to proportions and, and something more almost like in the art realm, which probably places it more into the proportion realm maybe. Yes, exactly. Yep. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. If you like saving both money and time on healthy food, you are going to love this. I've been a fan of Thrive Market forever. Fun fact, they were actually one of the first brands that I worked with when I transitioned to full-time content creation. And that happened even though I barely had an audience because I just reached out to my absolute top favorite brands and pestered them until they wanted to work with me. And I am so excited because right now, all of you amazing listeners out there can get 40% off your first order when you join Thrive Market today 
and a free gift worth over $50. I love Thrive Market for so many reasons, but I'd say the convenience factor is absolutely at the top of the list. You can find everything from pantry staples like spices, rice, and cacao to the more specialty items that I used to have to go to like three grocery stores to find, like arrowroot or pumpkin puree when it's out of season or an organic pasta sauce that's actually free of added sugar. They also have pasture-raised and grass-fed meat, which is shipped frozen to your door, and bath and body essentials like sunscreen, toothpaste, and deodorant, so it's really one-stop shopping. Also, let's be real, most of us get a lot of the same stuff every time we go to the store. Thrive remembers that, so it's easy to add all of your personal go-to items back to your cart, and then you can browse to throw in new fun stuff to try, like avocado oil chips or dark chocolate-covered almonds. I highly recommend both of those, by the way. Also, let's talk about prices for a second. I'm not going to lie, eating healthy can be expensive. One of the best things about Thrive Market is that they guarantee the lowest prices on everything they sell. Like literally, if you find a lower price somewhere else, they will match it. I feel like I should say that again because it's like a big deal. Literally, if you find a lower price somewhere else, they will match it, which means Thrive Market's prices are the lowest ones anywhere. Seriously, browse their stuff. It's already the lowest price on so many of the products. It's the lowest price I've seen on almond flour, which I love to use in my baked goods to make them more blood sugar stable, but it can often be so pricey. Everything is carefully vetted for quality of ingredients and sourcing. Like if it's on Thrive Market, it's pretty much Liz Moody approved. And I do not say that lightly. You can also search by over 90 values. So you can quickly find the brand qualities that matter to you most, whether you're looking for certified B corporations, gluten-free or keto products, or BIPOC-owned businesses. Voting with our dollar is so important, and the fact that Thrive Market makes it so easy to put your money where your mouth is, literally, is such a huge win. Can your grocery store do that? Now it can when you go to thrivemarket.com slash healthier together. Join today and get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash healthier together to get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. Thrivemarket.com slash healthier together. Now let's get back to the episode. Are there good hats for beginners? Like if I just wanted to dabble in Hatland? Definitely a baseball cap. Um, that's going to be something where you could very easily wear that. I've been is that fashion-y there. though? Like is it, it can is be. It be- yeah. How, how do um, I make a baseball cap look like fashion-y? I would say stick to something that is clean, no logos. Stick to white, black, uh, or a beige. And also, the more that you blend a hat with your hair color, it's going to really sort of make the hat disappear. So that's one way that you can do that too. That's interesting. Where do you like to shop for your hats? Janessa Leone. I love all of her hats. Like I wish I could own every single one in her collection. There's something very like smoldery and and cool girl about every single hat that she that she creates. Other than that, um, Gigi Pip is a really great place to go for that. Uh, they had some fiddler caps recently that are so cool, and obviously their fedoras are what they're known for. I like that they actually collabed with Kara Lauren where they have the lip of the fedora come up a little bit across the whole thing. And that's kind of a unique take on that too. 
But even with fedoras, I feel like people feel a little bit weird about them. So I would definitely say to blend that out uh, with your hair color if you do feel weird about it. Is there anything we should be doing for the rest of our outfit to balance a hat? Like, is there a certain type of shoe that like stabilizes or grounds a hat? Or is there something else that should be happening between the hat and the ground? Yes. This would be a really good place to start to look at that Pinterest board of what you're trying to create and different things that you do like visually. And then say, which types of styles can I imagine pulling out of that? Like, is is there an academia style that I want? Or for me, I love academia. I love Western. I love bohemian. And so these are some core sort of categories that you can start to think through and then pull out and try to incorporate both of them in an outfit. So for me, I love academia. So I would probably choose an academia hat and then a Western boot. And so both of the types of taste that I love are being honored within one outfit. And it's not all one note. But the trick to like not looking costumey is not just going like head to toe Western, like blending two styles. And what is academia style? Oh, sure. So academia style, another thing that's actually super popular right now is something where it feels like you're just going to spend all day at a library is how I like to think of it. You know, wood walls would be something that you can imagine. And who would, who would be in that room? It would be someone who might wear an Oxford for a shoe It might be something where you're wearing a jacket that's made of tweed or anything autumnal like that. And then there's light academia, which moves all of that a little bit brighter, which is really good for spring and summer. But accessories are going to be absolutely wonderful for styling for spring. And if you pick two, that's like a cool juxtaposition. Is is that the limit? We don't want to go like three or four styles in one style? You can absolutely do more than one style. I, in my course, I have it all mapped out and it's a way where you can sort of see that spectrum between something that is academia and then what's across from it is Western. And so I've sort of mapped out all of the different categories and how you can choose the ones that contrast each other, but you don't have to pick one and one. You could do something that's a whole spectrum. In essence, if you want to just have more of a fierce style Maybe let's just think about it in that way, where it's like one giant overarching theme of having a fierce style. Then you can tone that down if you have a job and you need to not look super fierce and grungy. You could just add a little bit of that to your business style. Which would be like an accessory or just like some texture or a material or something like that. That's right. So, one way to look at it too is that with each category that that there is, that exists. I didn't create these categories in essence. I just sort of boiled them down. What we can start to see is how they flow from one to the next. So if I like a a Western style, you might think, okay, that obviously means cowboy boots and fringe and Western hats and all this. Well, that can mean that, but just next to it is something that's a little bit softer, which is bohemian. Uh, A bohemian style will have some of those Western influences, but it moves it way more feminine. And there's a way that we can incorporate that too, based on what we enjoy. So what bohemian might mean to me can even be different for what bohemian might mean to you and the different types of textiles that you like from that. 
Um, so that's just one way that I like to view it is uh, a way to sort of take these themes and they don't have to feel costumey if you start to blend them with other things that do honor you in your style. Then does that usually mean basics to kind of take it from feeling costumey, like simple shirts and pants and things like that? So you definitely want to begin building your closet with the core essentials. You should always have a core to your closet. It shouldn't feel like you are trying to you know, I think that's where trends obviously get us way off course is when we start to add the things that are overly expressive. Those are more statement pieces. And that's not where we want to begin is with the flamboyant things. You want to actually start with the things that you can see yourself wearing for five to 10 years potentially. And so start with those basics, but you can start to elevate them as well, looking for quality or understanding your unique color undertones of your skin. For me, I have some yellow notes to my skin. So an ivory is going to work a little bit better for me than a cooler white uh, would for someone else. And then I can start to build my wardrobe to really reflect the, um, the things that I know are suitable cuts for my own body, but then also the colors that are going to really look the best. I also say to people who are just starting to stick with neutrals and also red for your core closet because everybody looks good in red, but then you can start to refine that a little bit more from there. And the more that you start to understand what suits you and what your taste is, then you can move out of the elevated basics and also include things that are seasonal for statement pieces. Do you have a favorite place to shop for basics? Everlean has always been a really good place to start because of the cost and the quality. I also love Aritzia and for different shoes that you might need. I just did a video with Nisolo. Um, that's a really good place to have quality for something as basic as a shoe. I also enjoy dabbling in free people and departments like Saks for those higher end luxury pieces because I can generally get an idea of one piece compared to another at that luxury price point. But for basics, there's definitely Everlane would be a place that a lot of people start. Are there like five core pieces you feel like everybody should have in their closet, like a trouser, a jean, whatever? Um, yeah, I originally started out um, trying to work within capsules. And what I would definitely say is that there is a little bit more intention needed to that for everybody's lifestyle, because the more style content that I've created, the more I've realized that everyone lives in different places. <laughs> um, what I've said in the past for like the top five things everyone needs in their closet can definitely be different. If you live in Jamaica or <laughs> somewhere else, it's completely relying on your weather and the practicality of it. But definitely, I would say a gene that fits your body particularly is going to be absolutely wonderful. I'm talking the rise and the inseam, the color, um, have that one perfect pair of jeans that you can throw on with anything, including flats, because um, it can be difficult to style a jean for a flat and a heel just because of the length. And 
a jumpsuit is something that a lot of people skip over or feel like they haven't found the right one yet. But I would definitely research which jumpsuit could work for you as well. Uh, white button down, of course, tee. A leather jacket would also be excellent for that, um, just because you can wear that for these seasonal um, changes from spring. Um, and then also sometimes in summer when it gets a little bit cooler at night would be good. Okay, let's talk about spring, summer, getting super hot. I've heard about like three-piece dressing, like the idea that you like have your basic pant and top and then you add like a cool blazer or jacket over that. But you can't really do that as well in the summer, right? So like how are we dressing elevated when it's disgusting out? Exactly. (laughs) I totally get that. Accessories are where you're going to find the most success when moving into spring and summer and just warmer weather in general because you can't layer with things as well. And when you can move into fall and winter, you can layer and it's like such a hack. You feel like you are invincible in the amount of things that you can create in your wardrobe. But when it comes to spring and summer, you want to think about over-accessorizing almost where you can take a scarf and instead of wearing it swelteringly around your neck, I'm talking like a light scarf, silk scarf, you could put it around your wrist or around a bag. You could do, I've put silk scarves on my head like a hat and then put a hat on top if I want to too. So there's different ways you can be inventive with your accessories and then add that to your outfits every day. Can you walk me through an outfit that you might be wearing like from the top of your head to your toes when it's really gross out, like it's like 90 plus degrees? I would say to start with shoes. It's one place where you are going to assess for yourself what you're going to do for that day, which could be so different for spring and summer and even within that day, what you're going to be doing. From there, you can start to work with the length of your your jeans or um, your skirt. And I would actually say for when it is sweltering out, I don't mind a jean personally, but for a lot of people, they might want to use a short or a skirt. So then I would probably try to decide on which type of bottom I want to wear that day. A wrap skirt is wonderful for pretty much every single body style and even every every personal style, something that you in particularly have a taste for. If you're not a skirt person, a wrap skirt can still be really great because it has just this beautiful cut to it. And then the way that it can open a little bit in the front is going to elongate and it'll show off the shoe a little bit more. And then for the top, I like to have a tee, but also a cami might work for that day too if it's absolutely so hot out that you can't even stand to have any sort of a small sleeve. Uh, I prefer crop tops personally, but that's a, a personal preference. And then I think for me, the struggle for hot weather is that there's always air conditioning. And if you're not the person in control of the thermostat, then that becomes unbearable. So I prefer to have something that I can throw on with that. I like to have a sweater or a cardigan that I can bring with me. And one thing that I like to do is to look for a cotton weave. Uh, It's a little bit different of a weave than something that you would wear for winter or fall. 
it's much more breathable and light and even looks a little bit more like you're going on this beautiful boat adventure and you're going to be so classy wearing it versus something where you're like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking wearing a cardigan in summer? And then how are you accessorizing that to like bring it to the next style level, that outfit? I am never without jewelry. Uh, Jewelry can be a wonderful way where you can express exactly what means the most to you. Not only what you're wearing as far as its value, but the memories that you have with that. Is it an heirloom piece? That could make you feel so great if you're wearing something that belonged to someone that means a lot to you at one point. There's also different types of jewelry. For me, I love gold jewelry, but some people just want to um, use wood or brass. I know I explored that a lot when I was first starting, especially when jewelry was not the priority of my budget at the time. Then I could make a lot of quicker decisions as far as jewelry is concerned with those um, more inexpensive materials that honored my taste at the time too. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. We love talking about our gut health here on the Healthier Together podcast, which is why I'm so excited to share the life-changing Seed Daily Symbiotic. I actually discovered Seed back when I was working as an editor full-time. A bottle came across my desk and I was instantly taken by how cute the green glass packaging is. Then I found out that that packaging was actually refillable so that Seed could share its products as sustainably as possible. And then I actually looked into the research behind Seed and, well, I was blown away. First of all, seed is not just a probiotic, it is a symbiotic. That means it contains both pre and probiotics, which is super important. In fact, if you remember my Ask the Doctor Gut Health Edition, we talked about how prebiotics are one of the most important and often underlooked components of great gut health. Let me break it down for you. Probiotics are the live bacteria that are so beneficial to our gut health, but prebiotics are the food that those probiotics need to thrive. If you don't have ample prebiotics, the probiotics you're consuming will be undernourished and not be able to help your health in the way that you want. Speaking of your health, there's also a common misconception that probiotics or symbiotics are for people with gut issues, which is so not true. Like, yes, the seed symbiotic is amazing for your gut health, but your gut health impacts everything in your entire body, your skin, your mental health, your cardiovascular health, your ability to actually assimilate the maximum amount of nutrients from all that healthy food you're eating. Having a happy gut is critical for all of it. It is hard to narrow down everything else that I love about seed. I am extremely particular with my supplements and I don't take many, but seed is just stellar across the board. It's been tested and tested and tested. Seriously, their testing process is bananas to make sure that it has 100% survival through the digestive process, which is so rare. And somehow they do all of that without needing refrigeration, which is very handy. I find that when I have refrigerated probiotics, I just forget about them and they get buried behind like old jars of pasta sauce, whereas I keep these on my bedside table so I'm reminded to take them every single night. They also contain the 24 strains that are the most scientifically studied to support your whole body's health. I am obviously passionate about this stuff. Taking care of my gut has been a key part of my own anxiety journey and seed has been a vital part of that. So feel free to reach out with any questions. And if you like learning about gut health and how probiotics and prebiotics actually function, I highly recommend heading over to seed.com. They have a whole educational section that breaks down the science behind your microbiome in some of the easiest to understand ways that I have ever seen. 
And if you'd like to try Seed for yourself and pretty much change your life forever, you can get 15% off your first month's supply of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic by going to seed.com slash daily dash symbiotic and using the code Liz Moody. Again, that's code Liz Moody on seed.com slash daily dash S-Y-N-B-I-O-T-I-C. Now let's get back to the episode. What are some items that have the best comfort to style ratio? Like we're not doing our sweatpants for our Zoom calls because we're trying to protect that psychology of feeling like powerful badasses. But what really like skirts that line feels really fashionable, but is really comfortable? I would say I love to have an elastic waistband with my pants if I'm going to be sitting for a really long time. And for summer, I do like to have linen or silk for that. It feels like you're going to go to bed. It feels like pajamas, but it's something that's so elevated that you could wear it to a major event too and feel amazing. If you don't like necessarily an elastic waistband, you could do one that has elastic in the back and then in the front it has that flat. um, So there's not that extra cinching in the front. And also for a shirt, you can do so much, but there's a lot of materials that I say to look for for spring and summer. Linen is going to be great. Silk can be hit or miss as far as you might feel a little bit sweaty in a silk, but it does keep you cool. So there's a little bit of a trade-off there. Raw silk is going to be great too if you want to have a little bit of this texture to it. And that can be so lovely and breathable for this time of year. I think I saw in your story, uh, organic cotton too. Absolutely amazing to wear for, especially when you're, you're going to have that on your skin. I feel like organic cotton is an excellent choice. What about on our feet? Like you mentioned when you were picking the shoes for your ideal summer outfit, that it really depended on what you did that day. If we are going to be walking a lot, but we don't want to ruin our entire outfit, are there shoes that are comfortable, but also really fashion forward? I love platforms at the moment. They are a trend that I kindly want to adapt into my closet. (laughs) They are welcome. I love clogs. Clogs are going to add that heel and that's going to have some height. And there's a lot of sophistication that can happen with something like a clog, but it's also casual and you can wear it with the simplest outfits too. And a lot of those are open toe. I wore a platform heel the other day when I was celebrating my birthday with some friends and I I had so much fun. It was like this woven texture and anything that's woven works really well for shoes this time of year. Okay. Happy birthday, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Are there any secrets to making athleisure look elevated or cute or is that just like we should save it for the gym? So yeah, athleisure can still be something that is trending, but if it honors you, then you can sort of know how to play with it. You're talking something that's sporty and masculine and casual textbook wise, but how you can combine that is either moving more casual and going into even some of the the grungy type of things too, if you want to, if you were to imagine that where you're not only having something that's athletic, but then you add like a loose flannel on top of it or something to sort of make it feel very cool in that regard. But if that's not your taste, then what you can do with athleisure is move it to the other side of the spectrum, which is much more high runway. We can see that a lot with Hailey Bieber. A lot of times she's going to move something that's athleisure and then add 
more of a more of a pop style, like a neon shoe would go well with that or a neon bag. She would do something like that where it's edgy and anything that's modern is going to have those brighter colors and more clean geometric lines. And what about hair and makeup? Do you have hair and makeup tips that you use to look more stylish? I noticed that you do like a red lip a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that when I'm wearing something that's a little bit more basic, like a tee and jeans, then I want to do something with my lip where it feels like it's adding more color or something there versus just having something that's more natural. And if I am wearing something that is a little bit more elevated, then I do like to tone down my makeup. For hair, I wish I could give you more than like one or two hairstyles, but this is really what I'm working with. <laughs> well, then maybe it's like find your go-to and we don't need to do all these like crazy hairstyles that you see on Pinterest. You could just find your go-to and stick with it. I mean, that's yeah, totally that's, fine. that's totally fine too, for sure. We are all about embracing the shape and the body that you're given here. But I know that you do a lot of work with petite dressing and things like that. So let's say like I am working on embracing my short body, but let's say I want to look taller. What are a few things that I could do? I think the number one thing to understand about clothing is that it's just fabric at the end of the day. And if you were to have a table in your dining room and you put a tablecloth over it, now we're starting to see how that tablecloth, it's hiding a lot about the table underneath and we can't really see the full thing and we don't really know a lot about it. So fabric does do something visually, and it doesn't matter how absolutely wonderful the table is underneath, but the fabric is going to say something about it. So we can start to work with design principles, which is honestly how I got into all of this. I started out as an artist and a designer, and I found that need for clothing. So I just applied those principles to it. And that made me understand that the way that my outfit is creating or saying something about me visually, I still have control over that. I can elongate what I want to elongate and I could fade away what I want to fade away. For me, I'm a pear shape. And so there's days where I want to just totally embrace my curves and I'll do things visually to make that seen. And then there's other days where I just want my curves to not be seen and have something else in the forefront. And that's okay too. That can go day to day or within an outfit, you can change things about it. So when elongating your look, I think that there are ways to navigate that to where you feel like you're in the driver's seat of that decision still. You're the one dictating how the tablecloth is showing the table <laughs> and you still have a lot of power and control over how that outfit can change for you. Okay. So what are some of those secrets? If I did want to elongate, how do I use those design principles to do so? One thing that will always stand the test of time is wearing something that's a darker shade that will automatically elongate. But we can also see through different studies that are done that having a vertical line is going to also do wonders. So if you have a striped pant that's vertically striped, that will elongate more than a horizontal stripe would. So if you have a horizontal stripe skirt, then that will not elongate you as much as a vertical stripe skirt. Also, I, 
I prefer to move the line up of where I have the rise hit versus something that is lower. And that's why that low rise, high rise discussion is so much more about how it fits you in particular versus having a trend tell you what you should get. So if you have the torso real estate to get a higher rise, then do it. You want it to feel comfortable. You don't want it going all the way up to your chest, but you want it to sit, you know, right where your ribs stop is a really good place to put your rise if you want to elongate the leg. Now, there is always going to be a little bit of a, not a trade-off, but what you do take from the torso will go into the legs. And so you can decide for yourself how you want that to be in proportion. Da Vinci had that that man, you know, you know, the one that's like spread out. He had this thing where he was able to draw the human figure and there were seven or eight, don't quiz me right now, on how many of the lengths of the heads there were down the body. And so we can start to work with that within a whole different world of golden ratios where you can start to have that like three to five ratio. And you can sort of pick that too. If you measure the length of your head and go three heads down, then that's really where you can start to work within where you put the rise of your gene. Oh, that's a hot tip. I love that. Okay. And then what about with the pear shape thing on days that you wanted to accentuate your curves? Can you walk me through what you would do? And then on days where you wanted to not accentuate them, can you walk me through what you would do? Sure. Yeah. And that's going to be different, I think, for each body because we all have curves in different places. For me, I I have my curves like just below my hips is where my widest point is. And what I can do if I want to accentuate my curves is to use a brighter color there, a fabric that is a little bit more eye-catching. I mean, I'm talking like sequins. If you wanted to, you could put sequins there and it would actually draw the eye there versus what you are fading away on the top. If I wanted to have more curves on bottom and hide in contrast my shoulders, then I could work with something that's going to bring in my shoulders a little bit, like um, a thicker band. The band of your shoulder strap is going to completely alter the way that your shoulders width looks. So if you want to expand that out, then you'd use a thinner strap. And if you want your shoulders to go in more, then you'd use a wider strap because we're working within proportions of that as well. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. A few listener questions, and then we're going to do some rapid fire shopping, shopping selects. Okay. So listener questions. One, what's the deal with belts? What are the chicest kinds of belts? When do we wear them? And where on your body should they go? Oh man, this has a lot to do with proportions. And I think that everyone just knows as a gut feeling what works for them and what doesn't. If a belt feels too thick or too cumbersome, obviously, then you'd want a thinner one. Um, But it's also going to determine what you wear it with. So if I want to highlight the waist, then I'm going to use a thicker belt. And that's going to really bring attention there. It also might cinch it a little bit, almost corset-like. It can gather fabric. But again, it's, a belt can be a wonderful hack because you're able to then define your top half from your bottom half like you would with the rise of your pant. Mm, that makes sense. So you do, are you not a fan 
of like the low, like around your hip belt, you feel like it should always be up at your waist? Or is it just about what you want to accentuate at any given time? Yeah, it is more about what you want to accentuate and what you want that to show on yourself. So if you have a belt that's a lot lower, then what that's going to do is it will make your top half look longer and it'll make your legs um, look shorter in contrast. That makes sense. Okay, next listener question. How do you balance sustainability with being stylish and fashion forward and also with affordability since sustainable and ethical brands are often so expensive? Yes, this is a huge question. Everyone can navigate it based on what's the most important thing to them. I think we want to do everything we can, all of us all at once. You know, I want it to um, hit every single checkbox as far as sustainable and ethical is concerned. There will be some trade-off. Like if you thrift, there will be some sort of package delivered to your home. Like there's going to be something that isn't perfect. So what we can do is choose intentionality. I think choosing intentionalism is a little bit more on par with what will work for every single person. So if I know that I'm going to wear this piece for potentially five to 10 years, then I could say that this is going to really accommodate me and I'm not taking more than I am. I, I would feel bad about, in other words. That makes sense. So intentionalism, is that a real term or did you coin that yourself or is that like widely used? I mean, that's what I came up with. To okay. Sort of define it. I haven't trademarked it, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. So intentionalism is just really choosing what you're purchasing with thought and care. Exactly. Yes. Okay. I love that. How do you approach packing for a vacation? Um, obviously, check the weather first because yes. that could be a total disaster. <laughs> um, but other than that, I think that you have to determine what you're going to wear for practicality sake. For me, I always think, okay, underwear and what I'm going to wear to bed are the most important things because other than that, like that would be a disaster. Um, so I start with the essentials first and then I build to the basics of what I'm going to need for that weather, for nighttime, for daytime. That could totally change with weather and event and who I'm going to see. And then I will pick out one outfit for that major event that usually happens with a vacation, like a nice dinner or something. So I will definitely try to create one outfit out of that. And then I start to pull those individual pieces and try to use them repeatedly throughout the rest of my vacation. I have the best tip for underwear, which is I always bring like literally twice as much as the amount that I think I need because they take up no space and changing your underwear makes your whole outfit feel fresh. Like you, you're never going to regret having, you always need more underwear than you think you need and it takes up no space. So I'm just like, do that. And also always bring a swimsuit, even if you're going somewhere that you absolutely don't think you need a swimsuit because it takes up again, no space. And you will always regret not having it more than like having this teeny, teeny piece of your suitcase taken up by it. That's amazing. I feel like we need to get advice from you on this because I I haven't gone on vacation, honestly, (laughs) in a very long time. So I'm taking notes. (laughs) The swimsuit tip is important because there's been so many times where like you get to an Airbnb and it like has a jacuzzi or like there's a hot spring in your location and it always feels so crappy to not be able to partake and a swimsuit takes up no space. So that's one of my favorite tips. Yeah. Do you have any tips for shopping online and being able to tell ahead of time if the pieces will actually look good on you? Yes. 
I have so much to talk about with this. I've got a whole bonus week of my course that's all about pro tips of shopping. But in a quick answer, I would say to know a lot about what suits you. Think about your the color of your skin undertone. That's going to be hit or miss. I have made that mistake more times than I could count. And so I would say that the most closet monsters that I've ever had have been because they really didn't suit me. They brought out things like, you know, a color that doesn't suit you will bring out things like your dark circles more than a color that suits you. And you're going to feel just vibrant in a color that suits you. So I would say start there. Look at the garment measurements and know your own measurements. It only takes a minute and it only takes one little tiny $3 tape measure from Amazon. I know. I don't know why it feels so daunting. And like every place literally does, they have the measurements there for the sizing, but it feels like a crazy thing to like do my own, but I could just like have it on a note on my computer and just have it ready to go, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's really not a big deal. And the more comfortable that you get with that, the more you're not going to have those returns. You know, we're just talking shopping online here, but that's, I think, a little bit more challenging and more important that you know your measurements when you're shopping online. Yeah, I love that. You've talked about the color thing a little bit. Can you just walk us through really quickly how we can know what colors suit us? So the best way to do that is what I like to recommend, just holding up gold and silver to yourself. It doesn't have to be gold bullion. It could be like, you know, a piece of hardware or, or something, um, silverware, and hold that up to yourself in front of a mirror and start to notice which one brings color to your face and which one brings out things like dark circles. That's going to bring out more shadows. And I studied portrait artistry for so many years, like 20 years. I've really done my research in this. And so that's probably why I've talked about it so much is that it is so incredibly important to flattering you. I think that the world online can be overwhelming. If you want to pursue color theory for what works for your skin undertones, whether that's makeup or clothing, there are wormholes you can go down. The most simplest thing to know is if you have more warm toned skin or more cool toned skin. And ultimately, that's going to get you like 90% of the way as far as making the right choice. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Look, the science is very clear. Sexual wellness is a huge part of overall health. You've probably heard me go on and on about the health benefits of masturbation, but it's truly so good for not only our mental health, but our immune systems, our hormone health, and more. It's honestly this easy, actually fun thing that you can do daily that has all of these huge benefits. Think of prescribing yourself a daily orgasm as like taking a multivitamin, except that it's even more enjoyable to actually do. Of course, we all need allies in our sexual journeys, which is why I am so excited to introduce you to Dame. Dame is a female-founded sexual wellness brand that uses science. Yes, actually, one of the co-founders is a MIT-trained engineer to create products designed to bring pleasure to people with vulvas everywhere. Their products look so chic, like I'm more than happy to keep mine out on the bedside table. The colors are just gorge. The Eva is Dame's flagship product. It's a hands-free couples vibrator used to provide clitoral stimulation during penetrative sex. It looks kind of like, like it has these little wings and a cute little tiny body. It's adorable, honestly, and a game changer for couples play because it's 
fun, to spice it up, right? Like, let's be playful. Let's experiment. Let's mix it up. And then there's the air, which is new and fabulous. It does little air puffs. In the reviews on the site, a number of people mention melt your face off orgasms. And I would have to say that I agree. We have talked about the Alu Lubricant lots before, but it's one of the best non-toxic lubes that I've found. Just great ingredients, a super silky feel, and it's pH balanced so that you won't get any UTIs or yeast infections. And finally, the Arousal Serum. Holy cow, this is such a game-changing product. It uses all natural ingredients to generate a tingly, warming sensation. It's not burning at all. Do not worry. And it just heightens everything else that you do after, whether it's alone or with a partner. The ingredients are amazing. You can lick it, you can touch it, and you don't have to worry about it on your sensitive parts. But truly, the effects? Wow. My friend used it for the first time last week, and she texted me, and she called it a literal effing game changer. Try it out and thank me later. If you want to try the Air, the Eva, and the Alu, and the Arousal Serum, I highly recommend the Night In Set, which has all four for $35 off. And you can use my discount on top of that for even more savings. Just visit www.dameproducts.com slash healthier together, and my 15% off discount will automatically be applied at checkout. You can use my code for anything on the site, including if you want the full set or just to buy any of the products that I mentioned on their own or anything else on the site that I didn't mention. Again, that's dameproducts.com slash healthier together. I cannot wait to hear what you try. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay. So warm tone is if you hold the gold up to your face and it looks better. And cool tone is if you hold the silver up to your face and it looks better. Yes. And then in that categories, like one of the things I like is that you're like, no color is off limits. You can look for like a warm tone purple and a cool tone purple and a warm tone blue and a cool tone blue. And should we just be like Googling that? Like what's a cool tone blue? Actually, the Google results I would say are just as conflicting. So (laughs) what I would say is that on the color wheel, if if you want to go really, okay, I'll try to not go too deep <laughs> in the color wheel, but there's warm colors like um, red and orange and some yellows. And then there are cool colors like blue and some purples and things that are moving away from orange. So that orange and blue is really what you're working with here. So that doesn't mean you need to like take only wear orange, it means that you want to like, if you're warm, you want to wear a green that maybe has more orange in it. And if you're cool, you want to wear like a green that has more blue in it. Right? Right. So examples of a green with more blue in it would be like an ivy if you're talking a dark green. So I had some ivy pieces that I loved so much and I'm going to give them to a friend because I think it's going to look amazing on her. But for me, it started to not work as well as an olive something that's dark and maybe like a woody color would work much better on me just because I have those yellower notes to my skin, those golden notes. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. We're going to do a speed round of favorite places to shop for. What is your favorite place to shop for wedding guest attire? That is the hardest one. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I like to start out strong. Right. Um, Try not to wear white. That'll get you pretty yeah, far. That's like a hard <laughs> rule. Like not try not to, unless it is explicitly a white wedding. Just don't wear white. It's not that hard. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
Also, please, again, look at the weather forecast. I wore something to a wedding in Wisconsin in May and oh, it was so cold. Um, I had to go to a store and like get, get something just to like curl up in. But I would say to start with a shop like Reformation is really great. They have a lot of good ones. Even if you are the one having the wedding, they have a lot of good choices. So then in, you know, not only that formal, but something if you are attending it, they will have you covered as far as the right cuts and that sort of event. Swimsuits. I like Monday swimwear. I love the cut of that. I always feel just so awesome whenever I wear something from Monday Swimwear. Otherwise, I look at J. Crew shoes. Uh, Nisolo um, for their craftsmanship and how they honor the artisan. I also love Cezanne. Um, they have a really good selection. Jeans. Okay, Redone. I I have I have tried so many jeans, and I think that Redone has the most killer jeans. Otherwise, I'd go with a Goldie. Petite clothes. The tailor. <laughs> okay. So like buy normal stuff, but then take it to the tailor. You prefer that over getting like the short pants or shopping in a petite section. Why? Absolutely. Yes. Because you shouldn't have to feel that limited and you have so many other options available to you. And I think everybody needs to take their stuff to a tailor anyways, just to get every little piece of it perfectly fitting you like a glove. And then that doesn't cost very much. It's just one of those things kind of like the tape measure where it feels awkward and like you don't know what you're doing or out of the way. That's so, okay. So then the thing I always don't get, and this is maybe a little bit niche, is that when I'm buying stuff, I'm kind of deciding whether to buy it or not based on how good it looks on me. So am I, if I'm going to be taking everything to the tailor, am I just buying stuff that's like a little too big? And I don't like, how am I deciding what to buy if not by the metric of like, how good does this fit me? Yeah. If you can't find something that fits you exactly, what I suggest to do is go with your widest point, make sure it fits that. And then you can take in anything else. Okay. I was, my husband, he just bought a suit and I was shocked by this. Did you know that all men's suits are designed to like go out at the waist? Like they build them in with extra fabric so that they can take them out and take them in. And then they don't make the pant leg any length so that you're supposed to just go and get the pant measured for you. And I'm just like, that's so obvious and like genius. And I feel like women's clothes aren't given that same type of consideration. And it annoyed me. It is annoying. And that's because we just move so fast with fashion that you don't really want to bother. But if you're building your closet to last for years, then you're going to be choosing things that are more core and you're going to make them actually work for you and you won't have as much of an expense. And it goes back to the sustainability thing as well. Cute tops. Where are we shopping for cute tops? I love Doen so much. I just love every single piece. Ralph Lauren as well. I think because I do like the academia and the Western so much that that's a very natural place. And then again, I mentioned free people earlier, but they have a wide range as well. Purses and bags. Polen or Demelier. Those are my top two brands for purses. I haven't heard of either of those. Are those like smaller? Yeah, they're a little bit smaller. Yeah. Okay. I, I will check those out. Summer dresses, like easy breezy, beautiful summer dresses. I hate that I just quoted yeah. cover girl <laughs> yes, accidentally. <you> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. I like Laleen. Laleen's a really good one. They, they have amazing tops, but their dresses are actually so, so cool. Christy Dawn. 
especially if you're looking for sustainability. She's really strong in that. Doen, again, has amazing ones. Aritzia and, oh, there's one more I was going to say. I would look at J. Crew again. I feel like that anyone can find something there that they would like. And then end us on jewelry. I Jewelry is like a big one where I don't have those like heirloom pieces in my family. And I want to build a jewelry collection I feel good about, but it feels so daunting and so overwhelming. And I don't want to spend like so much money on it, you know? Yeah. So that is something where I, I sort of, when I was first starting out, I got only the very bare minimum and I used brass pieces. I'm going to shout out my friend who has her own company, which is Windblown Jewelry. And she has really affordable pieces that are either gold filled or like brass. But something that's a hammered brass ring for your thumb can look just as high class as something that is studded with gems. Okay. I love that. And then do you feel like rings are a good place to start or necklaces or like if earrings, if we're kind of starting our jewelry collection and we want to have the most impact, where should we begin? Uh, I guess this is a question for you, Liz. Like, do you like to wear rings? Is this something that you would feel like you're always taking them off because they get in the way for your job or for whatever else? Or is this something where you would rather have a bracelet instead? Like I would go with practicality there. Okay. I mean, I hate bracelets. Bracelets, for some reason, they annoy the living. Like I just hate them. They, I cannot keep them on my wrist. I'm okay with rings. I like necklaces. That's interesting to, to, instead of thinking, I mean, I think that's one of the things I love about your entire style philosophy is it's really about tapping into what's right for you and keeping this really hard focus on like your nurse star, your style, what you like. And I think that's under discussed in the fashion world. It is under discussed. And I feel like just on a personal level, that's why we feel so confused and lost because it isn't anything that is for us or we feel behind. Like somehow we didn't get the memo on if my bag is too big for this season or something yeah. crazy like that. And the more that you start to embrace why you like something or who it reminds you of, the more meaning that you put into your pieces, you're just going to love it. Well, and I think you'll feel more confident in it too. Like you're like, so this bag isn't right for this season. I don't care about that. That's not why I'm wearing it. Exactly. Yes, it's it's exactly. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit about your course, your YouTube, anything else that you want to shout out? My course is going to reopen. So definitely check that out. I've had 4,000 people take it and everybody has just found new inspiration. I had one girl who said, that she is in her 70s now and she has found who she wants to be and how she wants to dress. Oh, she actually, oh my gosh, that's so heartwarming. <laughs> yeah, because there were people who told her in her own personal journey how to dress at a very early age and she never got to break through in that. And so I think that the sooner that we discover this for ourselves, the better. I love that. So your course is called? The math is, why did I not even say the name? <laughs> Master the Art of Personal Style is the name of my course because I spent 20 years in art and then 10 years as a designer. And so instead of just wondering what went wrong, I, with your style, I actually show you how a designer would approach something. 
you know, an architect doesn't just show up to a construction site and start pouring cement everywhere, but they actually make a blueprint and they build something from there. And so that's the approach that my course takes with that is we're going to unpack everything that Liz Moody loves about her life and the different influences in her past and the things that inspire her for her one day future self. And then also from there, how to rebuild your closet from those past mistakes and get rid of anything that has those past memories attached to them that aren't so pleasant and start moving forward so that you don't have any of those regrets. And by extension, that's just where I talk about everything from my YouTube channel of more the tactics and practical ways where you can apply those things. I love that. So that's available at dearlybethany.com. I will have to take that course. Would you be willing to maybe give away a few spots to listeners? Yeah, I can give away 10 spots to different listeners. Wow. Oh, that's so much more generous. Okay. 10 spots. So if you want to enter, go comment on my Instagram. That'll be about this episode and follow Dearly Bethany on Instagram and follow Liz Moody on Instagram. And Bethany's going to give away 10 spots. So that's like a really good chance to win. And I'm definitely going to take it, but I promise I won't take any of the giveaway spots (laughs) from anybody. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and share so much of your wisdom and just your beautiful approach. It's almost, I feel like it's almost like a a meditative or mindful. It's just like a very calming approach to fashion. And I find it very refreshing and I love it. Thanks, Liz. It's awesome. I hope you loved this episode with Bethany. If you want to enter to win one of those 10 free spots in her amazing course, follow both of us on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody. She is at Dearly Bethany. And then comment one thing that you loved or learned in this episode on my most recent Instagram post. I'm going to try to get one up about this episode, but I am also sick right now. If you've been following along on Instagram, COVID finally got me. So who knows? We will see. But just do the most recent one and I will consider you entered. If you're new here, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. Next week is about the future of gut health. And then we have an amazing skincare episode coming up and new editions of our Healthy Cooking Secrets and our How I Learned to Love My Body series. So definitely tap that follow or subscribe button so that you do not miss anything. If you love this episode, we have another style episode from last fall with Charlie Goss. It's called something like How to Dress Cue, and it has even more genius tips and a totally different style perspective. So I highly recommend checking that out. And of course, you know I'm going to ask you to share a link to this episode with a friend, with your mom, with an aunt. Sharing is the best way to help support the podcast and is so, so appreciated. I get DMs from so many of you every week telling me about all of the people that you sent the pod to, and it just makes my heart sing, and I love you so, so much and appreciate it so, so much. Okay, that is all from me. I will see you next week on the next episode of the Healthier Together podcast. If you have dry skin, this is going to be your holy grail. I've loved, loved, loved the Osea Andaria Algae Body Butter for years. It is so rich and creamy and lush, but it sinks right into your skin, and it makes your entire body feel moisturized and not greasy at all. I actually do not understand how it's so not greasy and yet so, so hydrating. As fall approaches, I'm leaning into mini spa energy, these micro-relaxing moments you can insert throughout your day. 
because peppering your day with tiny bits of calm can have huge impacts on overall cortisol levels, on your anxiety, even how you sleep at night, and the smell of the body butter. Holy cow, it is pure spa energy. You get that like laying on the massage table, melting energy. It is phenomenal. I've gone through at least four tubs of this personally, and that is saying something because it lasts a long ass time. A little bit goes a very long way. I also always keep extras on hand to give out as gifts. It uses ingredients that you would normally see in face care products like seaweed, ceramides, glycerin, which I am obsessed with for hydration and think is so underrated, amino acids, even a skin-identical moisture complex. Also, here is a little tip. If you want to amp up its hydrating power even more, put it on damp skin right after the shower to really lock in all of that moisture and hydration. Like all Osea products, it's formulated with real seaweed to take advantage of its nutrient-rich benefits like deep moisturization. It's also vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Osea has actually been making seaweed-infused products that are safe for your skin and the planet for over 27 years. And I personally absolutely love how everything is ethically tested and sourced. For clean body care that gives you skincare-level results, you've got to try Osea. And right now we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with promo code LizMoody at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and orders over $60 get free shipping. While you're there, get the body butter, of course, but I'm also obsessed with the Vegas Nerve Oil and Pillow Mist, both of which help so much with my anxiety. I love rubbing the oil on my hands and inhaling deeply before I meditate to make it feel more intentional and calming and grounding. You are going to want it all. Go to OSEAMalibu.com, promo code Liz Moody. 